Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, spooky, and this week, mysteriously coded. Mm. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. We'd like to invite you to our social media porch. Visit us on Facebook and leave us some reviews with lots of uh, stars on your podcast platform. Mm -hmm. This week we're looking at a strange phenomenon that Tony wanted to explore. Yeah. And this is one of those that's not necessarily Southern, but we are. Yeah. We're taking a look at number stations. Indeed. I will apologize in advance. Most of what I'm reading here, I don't understand. (laughs) So at the apex of the Cold War, Mm -hmm. radio lovers across the globe started to notice bizarre broadcasts on the airwaves. Starting with a weird melody or the sound of several beeps, these transmissions might be followed by the unnerving sound of a strange woman's voice counting in German or a creepy voice of a child reciting letters in English. Over the years, they've attracted sporadic interest from journalists, video game designers, filmmakers, and despite this attention, there are few explanations of what these signals actually are. Indeed. Not a lot. So, what do we know? Number stations are, or could be, shortwave transmissions from foreign intelligence agencies to spies in the field of foreign countries. Yeah. They carry encrypted messages in groups of numbers or letters using an automated voice, Morse code, or even a digital code. While the encryption methods used by most number stations are unknown, some have used, and others are widely believed to use, a one-time pad. Yeah. I had to look this up. The one-time pad, the only mathematically unbreakable encryption system, is it's a sheet of paper with random numbers in groups of five or more digits. Mm-hmm. Typically, the letters of the message are converted into numbers and are added to numbers from the notepad using a simple mathematical operation known as false addition. I don't know what that means. (laughs) This result's then transmitted, and the recipient uses the same page from his own one-time pad and extracts the plain text message by applying false subtraction to the encrypted message. Now, if you followed that at all or not, uh, I'm with you, because I I don't really get this. (laughs) Number stations offer a powerful advantage in our modern world. Mm-hmm. Complete anonymity. So something about anemones, right? Yeah. The recipient... Hey, don't hurt yourself, kid. The recipient of the message can be almost anywhere in the world and receive instructions without fear of being traced through a phone call or internet connection. All the recipient needs is a shortwave radio and to be in the, quote, right place at the right time. Indeed. According to the notes of the Conet Project, Mm -hmm. the French in me wants to say Conet, which has compiled recordings of these transmissions, number stations have been reported since World War I with the numbers transmitted in Morse code. Yeah. It's reported, I found this part interesting, that Archduke Anton of Austria in his youth (laughs) during World War I used to listen in to the transmissions Writing them down and passing them on to the Austrian military intelligence. I'm sorry to Austrian people everywhere. And the Conet Project, by the way. Recordings of shortwave number stations. It's a four-CD set of recordings of number stations. First released in 1997 by the Erdl Discs record label for the collector who has everything. I don't know if anyone watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, but I'm totally envisioning the Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery 
selling of like the worst yeah, compilation of music yeah. ever. Anyway, bored trying to go to sleep, listen to this four C set of random number lists. Yeah, especially, you know, when they have those, you know, such dulcet tones as screaming in your ear and buzzing. Ah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a lot of these sounds are not for people who don't like unpleasant sounds. Let's just yeah. say, what is it? ASMR? You know, not soothing. Yeah. <laughs> sounds a bit like the, oh gosh, now I can't think of it. The Doctor Who bad guys? The Daleks with their relaxation station? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, some of the sounds in these number stations, because I've listened to a couple of them, we're going to put a couple of them in the episode, some cool. of them sound love dial-up. For back in the for, day. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, if you don't know what dial-up is, you're going to hear it. Oh yeah, because YouTube is the reservoir of all things antique. Yep. Amateur radio enthusiasts, mm-hmm. that sounds like the aliens thing, ancient astronaut mm-hmm. <laughs> specialist, anyway... Amateur radio enthusiasts with shortwave or ham radios, which means handmade amateur. Is that what that said? I always thought, what does it have to do with ham? It's handmade amateur radios. Or homemade amateur. (laughs) Handmade. (laughs) Sorry. Hammade. It's like a sandwich. No, it's homemade (laughs) amateur radios. Anyway, these amateurs endeavor to monitor and classify number stations, trying their best to break the codes. This started back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And number stations are given nicknames by enthusiasts, yeah. often reflecting some distinctive element of the station, such as the interval signal. Don't know what that means. For example, this one's kind of cute, the Lincolnshire Poacher. Yeah, because it starts off with... It's a station played that plays the first two bars of the folk song, The Lincolnshire Poacher, yep. before each string of numbers, which, doing Renfair, you think we'd be more familiar with that tune. Right. But yes, they have cute names. I don't know why. <laughs> because why not, I guess, is really the thing. Now, decoding these... Well, it's one of those things of you're not like, okay, tune in to 1600 megahertz, you know, whatever, and then going, oh yeah, we we nicknamed the station the death of a of a rabbit. <laughs> like, I mean, you... okay, fair then, enough. Then people would be like, yeah, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> Decoding the messages is impossible without access to the one-time pad that we mentioned used to encrypt them. Nevertheless, for many decades, people have studied them and even made accurate schedules of times of their transmissions. I guess if they can't figure out what they're meaning, they can figure out when they're coming out. Mm-hmm. William Thomas Godbay, or Havana Moon, first made number stations logging popular in the 1980s. He was doing it before it was cool. Yep. Later, Simon Mason wrote a book called Secret Signals, the Euro Numbers. <laughs> it was an alarm on my phone. Later, Simon Mason wrote a book called Secret Signals, the Euro Numbers. Mm -hmm. For the last two decades, much work has been done by two groups of radio listeners. Yeah. One called Enigma 2000. Yep. And another called Numbers and Oddities. Two independent sites, Priom.org and Numbers-Stations.com. Yep. Both have vast information on various number stations used both now and in the past. Indeed. Last year, British historian Lewis Bush published a book called Shadows of the State about these stations and their possible locations. These people have done impressive work uncovering the owners of now-defunct number stations using documentary evidence. 
and have pinpointed the owners of modern-day stations using technical observations like signal triangulation and other such methods. So you've said to a friend of ours that once someone figures out where the station is, the station kind of disappears. Most likely they up and move. Yeah, so... I don't know if it's... They being a broad generalization because you don't know who they are, but... This is true. Okay, we're about to get into some technical stuff. Yay! As we've said a couple of times, number stations were most abundant during the Cold War era. Yeah. And according to an internal Cold War era report of the Polish Ministry of the Interior, number stations DCF-37 and DFD-21 transmitted from West Germany beginning in the early 1950s. One, I don't know why we had to tell people that, but, you know, why not? One well-known number station was the EO3 Poacher, which I'm assuming is the Lincolnshire Poacher, yeah. And it's thought to have been run by the British Secret Intelligence Service. And it was first broadcast from Bletchley Park, that sounds lovely, Mm -hmm. in the mid-70s, but later was broadcast from RIF Akrotiri in Cyprus. It ceased broadcasting in 2008, but you could still hear it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. So, a little bit about spies. Woohoo! In 2001, the U.S. tried the Cuban Five on the charge of spying for Cuba. The group had received and decoded messages that had been broadcast from the Atencion number station in Cuba. This station became the first number station to be officially and publicly accused of transmitting to spies. I think I remember this one because the the signal, the burst, starts with a woman saying, Attention, attention, attention. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, hence where it got its name. Yeah. So, attention, I guess. Following the arrest of the Cuban spies in 1998, so slightly recent for those of us of a certain age, the station became a central part of the trial. U.S. prosecutors claim the accused were writing down number codes received from Attention using Sony handheld shortwave receivers and typing the numbers into laptop computers to decode spying instructions. The FBI testified that they had entered a spy's apartment in 1995 and copied the computer decryption program for the Attention number codes. They used it to decode Attention spy messages, which the prosecutors unveiled in court. Yeah. In 2001, Anna Belaine Montes, a senior U.S. defense intelligence agency analyst... She was with the U.S. ...was arrested and charged with espionage. The federal prosecutors alleged that Montes was able to communicate with the Cuban intelligence directorate... I hope I said that right. Directorate. Close enough. Through encoded messages, with instructions being received through encrypted shortwave transmissions from Cuba. So, yeah. I'm now having this moment of thinking of Cuba with ham radios. Can you get a Cuban sandwich out of that? Really? Uh, sorry. Really? This is all really dry stuff. <laughs> <laughs> In 2006, Carlos and Elsa Alvarez were arrested and charged with espionage, mm-hmm. and the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida stated that defendants would receive assignments via shortwave radio transmissions. Wow. In 2009, Walter Kendall Myers was also charged with conspiracy to spy for Cuba. All this time, we were worried about North Korea and China. Right. And Russia. No, it was just Cuba. And receiving and decoding messages broadcast from a number station operated by the Cuban Intelligence Directorate. To further that conspiracy, as discovered by the FBI up to 2010, one way that Russian agents of the illegals program were receiving instructions was via coded messages on shortwave radio. So it goes goes without saying that, yes, they're using it in this fashion. Yeah. 
It's been reported that the U.S. has used number stations to communicate encoded information to persons in other countries. There are also claims that State Department-operated stations used to broadcast similar numbers messages or related traffic, although these radio stations have been off the air for many years. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, I mean, if you go back and you look at the old, like, James Bond spy movies and stuff like that with the telephones and the shoes and Uh, all that. Well, that was... uh, get smart but fair enough but you get what i'm saying absolutely back when back when apparently spy equipment was like let's shove let's shove something into something smaller (laughs) cq he's got all kinds of interesting gadgets for you well there was the whole incident with the guy who got shot in the leg with bb from shot from an umbrella of all things which proved quite fatal did it not because it was the bb itself was covered in ricin and ricin is very deadly So, I mean, this whole spy stuff, yeah, this is some deep stuff. Not just covered in Mad Magazine, I tell you. Yeah, indeed. I'm in a weird mood, don't mind me. North Korea revived... For all of you who don't know what Mad Magazine is... Oh my gosh. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just thinking of Spy vs. Spy. Hey, I love that cartoon. Sort of heckle and jekyll lookalikes. There was a white guy and a black guy. That sounds... No, they're artistic. There was a white spy and a black spy. They never had a race. No, no, they were just drawn very starkly so yeah. yes um th- that sounded weird the way i said yeah. <laughs> picture pure white and actual black like ink yes moving on so north korea mm-hmm. revived number stations in july of 2016 this maneuver that's a fun word was considered to be psycho psychological warfare psychological very psychological yes mainly because the station had been silent for 16 years yeah, it's it's totally psychological <laughs> because I got pneumonia. Wow. And, okay, this is interesting. July 2016, 16 years. 16 such broadcasts, I'm not sure why we're doing this mm, in 16, yeah. occurred in 2017, including unusually timed transmissions in April. So, I guess, again, someone's logging when the transmissions are coming out and going, well, that's unusual. Well, yeah. <laughs> now Tom Jones is going through my head. <laughs> Many stations from this era continue to broadcast, though it seems some longtime stations may have been taken over by different operators. The Czech Ministry of the Interior and the Swedish Security Service have both acknowledged the use of number stations by Czechoslovakia for espionage. Like Czechoslovakia doesn't even exist anymore. With declassified documents proving the same. I love how like these number stations get taken over. Like you're listening to the code and it's like giving you these numbers and you're like, I'm going to come back tomorrow and see if I can figure this out. And then you turn it back on and it's like, new from a black Like, holy crap. And apparently what's really interesting, and I, I don't remember if I actually wrote it in here or not, is that whatever the country is, they'll use a different language entirely. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's harder to figure out. In World War II, there was something called the Code Talker program. Oh, yeah. And this is when they actually used Navajo to send codes back and forth, but the Navajo words they used weren't like, hey, attack here. It was like, the crow flies at midnight, so you would have to not only decode the Navajo, but you would also have to decode the, what do these words mean? Right. The little kid runs with the baseball bat. What does that mean? So, poetic Navajo, translated into military speak. Yes. And as you who have lived among them for so long, Navajo's difficult, right? Yes, very, very difficult. So, so much that I won't even try to butcher it. But you can understand it, right? A little bit, yes. Now, I don't know what this particular 
phrase means few QSL responses have been received from number stations by shortwave listeners who sent reception reports to stations that identify themselves or to entities the listeners believe responsible for the broadcasts which is the expected behavior of a non-clandestine station. So what they do is they send out a signal and goes, Hey, who are you? And then like you hear somebody come back and go, hey, Bob's Crab Shack, how can I help you? <laughs> Joe's Chicken Shack, what's on the menu? Uh, but if they're spies, they're not going to say, Hi, we're from North Korea here, just listening in. Oops. <laughs> yeah. It's long been speculated that these stations operate as a relatively foolproof method for government agencies to communicate with spies working undercover. Mm-hmm. So according to this hypothesis, the messages must have been encrypted, encrypted with one-time pad, here we go again, Yeah. to avoid any risk of decryption by the enemy. Okay, I have a really long quote coming up. Writing in 2008, Wallace and Melton, don't know who those are, described how number stations could be used in this way for espionage. Yeah. The one-way voice link, or it looks like OVL, O-W-V-L, yeah. described a covert communication system that transmitted messages to an agent's unmodified shortwave radio using the high-frequency shortwave bands between 3 and 30 megahertz at a predetermined time, date, and frequency contained in their communications plan. Mm -hmm. Isn't this riveting? (laughs) If proper tradecraft was practiced and instructions were precisely followed, an oval transmission, I just made that up, was considered unbreakable, as long as the agent's cover could justify possessing a shortwave radio and he was not under technical surveillance, High-frequency OWVL was a secure and preferred system for the CIA during the Cold War. Okay, so... Evidence to support this theory includes the fact that number stations have changed details of their broadcast or produced special, non-scheduled broadcasts coincident with extraordinary political events such as the attempted coup of August 1991 in the Soviet Union. A 1998 article in the Daily Telegraph quoted a spokesperson for the Department of Trade and Industry, the government department at the time, which regulated radio broadcasting in the UK, as saying, and this is a great quote, Yep. These number stations are what you suppose they are. People shouldn't be mystified by them. They are not, shall we say, for public consumption. End quote. <laughs> Now, like, is that just like the most British thing ever? Or I, w- what? <laughs> I want to create a code and a cipher so crazy, and I want people to just go after it and just totally rack their brains around it and think about it for years. And at the end, it's going to say, Drink your Ovaltine. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? Son of a bitch. <laughs> Cruel, cruel thing. (laughs) Generally, number stations follow a basic format, though there are a few differences in details between stations. Transmissions usually begin on the hour or half hour. The prelude, introduction, or call-up of a transmission includes some kind of identifier for the station itself. Sort of like the Lincolnshire, it plays the first Mm -hmm. two notes. The intended recipient or both. Yeah. And this can take the form of numeric or radio alpha... Radio alphabet code names. Well, that's like the attention, attention, uh-huh. attention, and then the code starts. So, like some examples they give are Charlie India Oscar, that kind of CIO military. Yeah. Would you say this is two fifty, two fifty, or two five zero, two five zero? Two. They they don't do in like hundreds. They only do. Fair enough. Yeah. Another one is six nine or zero oblique five four, 
or characteristic phrases such as attention, acton, ready, ready, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Yeah. Sometimes musical or electronic sounds like the, the Lincolnshire poacher yeah. or one called magnetic fields. Sometimes, as in the case of radio alphabet stations, the prelude can also signal signify the nature or priority of the message. Mm-hmm. Um, it can indicate that no message follows. And often the prelude repeats for a period before the body of the message begins. And I'm just going to put it out there that the prelude, some of these things, they just sound creepy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After the prelude, there is usually an announcement of the number of number groups in the message. Mm-hmm. The page to be used from the one-time pad or other pertinent information. Then the groups are recited. And they're usually either four or five digits or radial alphabet letters. Mm-hmm. The groups are typically repeated, either by reading each group twice or by repeating the entire message as a whole. Yeah. Finally, after all the messages have been sent, the station will sign off in some characteristic fashion. Usually, it'll simply be in the form of the word end in whatever language the station uses. Well, sometimes they also do end the of pre- message. Sometimes they'll do the prelude afterwards as this well. This is true. Yeah. Now, because of the secretive nature of the messages, the cryptographic function used by particular stations is not publicly known, except for in one or two cases. It's assumed that most stations use a one-time pad that keeps coming up that would make the contents of these numbers groups indistinguishable from randomly generated numbers or digits. In one confirmed case, West Germany did use a one-time pad for numbers transmissions. As a woman, I'm going to say most pads are one-time use. Yes. High-frequency radio signals transmitted at relatively low power are people fascinated by this or what? Right. Can travel around the world under ideal propagation conditions. That means clear weather. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Which are affected by local RF noise levels. What's yeah. RF? Like uh, radio frequencies? That makes sense. When you say it, it makes sense. So, like... Uh, Other traffic out there? Like uh, a remote control car. It's based on an RF signal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, these noise levels, weather, season, and sunspots... Mm-hmm. I think anyone who's ever listened to a radio... Like an actual, legit radio station will have those days where things go weird because of sunspots. Well, I mean, and even your phone will do it nowadays. That's true. Yeah. And can then be best received with a properly tuned antenna mm-hmm. of adequate, possibly conspicuous size, and a good receiver. Now, can you imagine the guy who first stumbled onto one of these things? Like, he's at home building this big-ass radio. He's like, I'm going to talk to Argentina. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, he hears like, Atencion, 61561. And it's like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> Are these aliens? Martha, come listen to this. <laughs> Although a few number stations have been tracked down by location, the technology used to transmit the numbers has historically been clear stock shortwave transmitters. Yeah. Which means you can buy them at any radio hobbyist store, I guess you could say, or any kind of... Radio Shack, anybody? Well, I don't even think Radio Shack even exists anymore. (laughs) Not anymore, but... The frequently reported use of high-tech modulations like data bursts Mm -hmm. in combination or sequence with spoken numbers suggests varying transmissions for differing intelligence operations. So signals is flying over your head, y'all. That's a good summary, yeah. Yep. Those receiving the signals often have to work only with available handheld receivers, Mm -hmm. sometimes under difficult local conditions, and in all reception conditions, such as sunspot cycles and seasonal static. Yep. So basically, they have no choice but to catch it when they can. Yeah. However, in the field of low-tech, spoken number transmissions continue to have advantages even today. 
High-tech data receiving equipment can be difficult to obtain, and even a non-standard civilian shortwave radio can be difficult to obtain in a totalitarian state. Being caught with just a shortwave radio has a degree of plausible deniability. Indeed. Well, I mean, I I am well aware, especially when I was growing up, there were people building them all around me. I believe my granddad had one. Yeah, I w- well, I thought it was more prominent with the generation kind of ahead of us, but... yeah. I don't know. I mean, that could very well be. The North Korean Foreign Language Service Voice of Korea began to broadcast on the EO3 Lincolnshire Poachers former frequency, which I'm not going to read unless you really want me to, in 2006. However, Lincolnshire Poacher broadcasts on three different frequencies, and the remaining two have not been interfered with. The apparent target zone for the Lincolnshire Poacher signals originating in Cyprus was the Middle East, not the Far East, which is very relative. Yeah. And it's covered by its sister station, EO3, Cherry Ripe. Yeah. I feel like I'm just reading random words that make no sense. <laughs> Toaster Shoe, hashtag, I don't know. On October up, up, 1990... Up. You just made your own number station. <laughs> In October 1990, it was reported that a number station had been interfering with communications on 6577 kilohertz, kilohertz? a frequency used by air traffic... In the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. The interference was such that at least on one monitored transmission, it blocked the channel entirely and forced the air traffic controller to switch the pilot to an alternative frequency. Well, that would be bad. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? You're flying around and you're like, okay, so our levels are looking good. <laughs> We're coming in at a steady pace right now. And what is going on with the radio? <laughs> air traffic control, three, seven, Three. Hello? <laughs> There's some woman beeping numbers at me. In German. <laughs> Does anybody speak German on this plane? A BBC frequency has also been used. This prompted a letter to the BBC from a listener in Andorra. Wow. She wrote to the World Service Waveguide Program in 1983, complaining that her listening had been spoiled by a female voice reading out numbers in English and had asked the announcer what this interference was. The BBC presenter laughed at the suggestion of spy activity. He had consulted the experts at BBC World Service headquarters who declared that the voice was reading out nothing more sinister than snowfall figures for the ski slopes near the listener's home. In Andorra? In Andorra. Yeah. Like, I would suggest rainfall, but... (laughs) (laughs) After more research into this case, shortwave enthusiasts are fairly certain that this was a number station being broadcast on a random frequency. Number station transmissions have often been the target of intentional jamming. Mm -hmm. Despite this targeting, many number stations continue to broadcast unhindered. Historical examples of jamming include the E-10, a station thought to originate from Israel's Mossad intelligence agency, being jammed by the Chinese music station, thought to originate from the People's Republic of China, and usually used to jam Sound of Hope radio broadcasts, which are anti-People's Republic of China in nature. Now, okay, so just to kind of, you know, jump in here for a minute. Sure. Um, Radio stations, or at least the equivalent of are used in a lot of pop culture but you can't really you don't really catch up to it unless you know what you're listening to or seeing like okay so just an example an example okay Uh um in the last harry potter movie um there was they could only find a specific radio channel and it would list the names of the people who died and then it would end and it would switch channels every time so 
it's sort of in mainstream media as well. Didn't you mention one in Fallout? Yeah, there's and in the if, game Fallout. If you are a gamer, um, look up Fallout Three Number Station. Cool. And it is some of the creepiest stuff you'll hear. Yeah, I had the pleasure of listening to it last night when we were researching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I didn't and, like it. And it's keep in mind, it's just a video game. It, it's yeah. not real, but the way they portray it after you kill the main radio station guy, Three Dog, the the only thing that plays is I don't want to start the or I don't want to set the world on fire by the ink spots. And then a string of numbers, and then a sign off, and that's how it. That's the only thing the radio station plays the entire time. Wow! Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Delightfully creepy. Yep. So we mentioned earlier the cute names that stations are given based on their quirks or traits. Yeah. Sometimes the traits have actually helped uncover the broadcast location of the station. The Atencion station was thought to be from Cuba because of a supposed error allowed Radio Havana Cuba to be carried on the frequency. And these nicknames have sometimes led to confusion amongst listeners, particularly when discussing stations with similar traits. The most popular number station naming system was devised by the European Numbers Information Gathering and Monitoring Association, Enigma, a number station research group active in 1993 through 2000, mm-hmm. and later maintained by Enigma 2000, which sounds like some sort of Muppet Labs It robot. really does. <laughs> it's it like was... Beaker and Bunsen are working on it. <laughs> the effect was sadly temporary. Yeah. It was created to solve ambiguities in number station reporting and classify stations by language or type of signal. Each Enigma designator consists of an alphabetic prefix followed by an ordinary number. So That's very technical. So like America, A1. Yeah, basically. So the classification scheme takes the form of a letter followed by a number. Yeah. Or in the case of some X stations, more numbers. The letter indicates the language used by the station in question. E indicates a station broadcasting in English. G indicates German. S is any kind of Slavic language. So... V indicates everything else. <laughs> so... M is Morse code. Yeah. And X indicates all other transmissions, such as polytones, in addition to some unexplained broadcasts, which may not actually be number stations. It's just some woman fiddling with her VCR trying to reprogram it. <laughs> and some stations, this part I thought was funny, have also been stripped of their special designation when they were discovered not to be number stations. For example, E22 was discovered in 2005 to be a test transmission for all India radio. <laughs> We've got a number of stations, guys. Oh, man. No, we don't. They're, they're transmitting in Sanskrit. Right. Now, we've Wait, probably gotten... Sanskrit is not, is not spoken. That would make it really hard, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would. <laughs> Sanskrit is actually only written. Shut up. Well, so is this, ultimately. Yeah, true. Now, we have probably gotten way more technical than we needed to, because I don't understand a lot of this, but hopefully some of you did, and maybe you liked it. The 
the main point is it just mostly it just all sounds creepy and it's spy stuff and we don't know where it yeah comes it, from. it it's creepy spy stuff I mean and it's the things that happen when we don't when we're not expecting it you know the whole why did I accidentally turn on my baby monitor and her woman screaming at me? Like, ah. I mean, like... So perhaps we've sparked some interest for those of you who were unaware of them. Yeah. I only heard about them, I don't know, I guess in the last year or so. And I do hope you check out some of the recordings that exist out there. Yeah, I will definitely be putting in one. I think I'm going to put the Lincolnshire Poacher, at okay. least the one that's defunct now, Yes. at the end of the episode so everybody can hear it. And um, do let us know if you can look them up and what you think. Mm -hmm. Does this count as spooky to you? I mean, sometimes we stretch spooky. But I think covert operations have an air of spookiness about them. Ah, When I first discovered them, when I first started hearing about them, I was relatively spooked the hell out. Again, because they just sound so creepy. Yeah. There's one that we listen to that, I mean, the voice sounds like this nigh catatonic little victorian girl i mean it's just yeah. freaky sounding and the the music is i don't know it sounds like demonic music boxes it and is then, not and then there's the one where it's static but you can hear yosemite sam that's bizarre yeah you can hear yosemite sam was that actually a number station yeah and then because it, it, it starts off with a prefix or with a prefix yeah and then, the prelude or prelude and then it goes into the thing and then it ends with the same prelude which that doesn't work, but still, and then it and it <laughs> repeats, and then it repeats. So yes, Mel Blanc is the subject. Yeah, of so yeah, Mel, Mel Blanc is actually one of the voices of a, of a number station. So again, there's not like an actual story to this. It's no. just kind of recovering. If you're if you're looking to be kind of creeped out, maybe even a little kind of weirded out, <laughs> look these up. It is one of those fascinating rabbit holes to fall into. Absolutely. Um, I ended up with four or five different links that I was using as my references. Mm -hmm. And they were all fascinating, but again, very technical. There's a lot of radio technicality that goes into these. Which you could see would appeal to the enthusiasts. Like, if if someone out there who's into radio signals, like RF signals, stuff like that, definitely look into these if you've never heard of number stations before. I mean, and if you're not into that sort of stuff, look them up on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You can skip the technical stuff and just go, ooh, this sounds creepy, and yeah. you know, give your kids nightmares or whatever. Indeed. <laughs> Here, Timmy, listen to the soothing music. <laughs> Six, one, five, clink! <laughs> but I think we've covered as much as we feel like covering, so we must be at the end. <laughs> Indeed. So we hope you enjoyed this look into the strange world of codes and creepy broadcasts. Yes. See, I prefer the, the code talkers because they weren't creepy. They were just kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Please feel free to leave comments and check us out on Facebook or Indeed. join Patreon. We'd like to invite you to leave some five-star reviews on the podcast platform you frequent. Mm-hmm. As always, I remain your Carolina girl, Heather. And I apparently remain your Florida man, Tony. Well, I hope so. Who else would you be? Uh, I could be like Florida man, Gerald. Oh, Gerald's always wonky. Or Wisconsin man, Ralph. But then you wouldn't be Southern. Uh, that's true. And you'd have a predilection for cheese, no doubt. <laughs> but until next week, bye, bye y'all. y'all. Yeah. So, I think making a number station and just putting the most ridiculous code ever, like, for it to end with, like, Drink Your Ovaltine or, you know, like, a Willy Wonka was wrong or... <laughs>
All it, your base are belong to us. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, your princess is in another castle. <laughs> You're so weird. Thank you. 